0: if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then will I hear from heaven I will forgive their sin and heal their land God's words to Solomon in 2nd Chronicles 7 verse 14 there was one other passage that uh, uh, would be the foundation, if you will, for this time that we'd like to devote to the Lord today. And it, uh, it comes from the book of Joel. And um, let me find it here. And it's in chapter 2 of Joel. And it begins, I believe, in verse 15, blow the trumpet in Zion sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and those that suck the breasts, let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord weep between the porch and the altar and let them say, spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thine heritage to reproach that the heathen should rule over them, wherefore should they say among the people, where is their God? Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. Yea, the Lord will answer and say unto his people, behold, I will send you corn and wine and oil and you shall be satisfied therewith and I will no more make you a reproach among the heathen. Many a prophet and servant of the Lord in the times of the children of Israel prayed for their people not Lord bless them or forgive them or judge them. They would always say, Lord, forgive us because we have sinned against you. And so we take up that mantle today to pray for our nation, to pray for the church, that God would continue to awaken many to the very truths that we are to be standing upon in a time like like we have today. And uh, so I I, I would encourage you, not only to do that today, fasting is a personal thing between you and the Lord, you do that as as God leads you. But the important thing is that all of us are called to pray. The other thing that I would ask you all to do, if you will, is to take from this day forward, through this whole situation that we're dealing with in, in our country today, that we would continue to pray, setting aside a little time, specifically for our nation. It could be 15 minutes, it could be an hour, whatever, whatever it is, but I, I ask that you would be committed between you and the Lord again, to commit those minutes or, or hours, if you will, to do that every day, at the same time every day. I know that some churches may have a sign-up sheet that says, okay, well, I'll do it between this hour and that hour. Listen, just do it, just do it. We're supposed to be prayer warriors anyway. So set those times aside, because we are in a battle, but the battle belongs to the Lord. And that is what our commitment is today, to let him know that we stand with him and on his truth. And as we deal with this truth, then I ask you to turn, if you will, to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verses 38-47. The truth shall make you free. Now I have to say that uh, we're going to read that passage here in just a moment, and we won't see it until the very end of of the study, so just be prepared. There's a lot more uh, to say before we get there. But I hope and pray that we will uh, learn from this, this study this morning. By the way, before we, before we begin, I, I, I do want to ask you all to please keep uh, Mary Ortega, who is Pastor Bob Ortega's wife, uh, in prayer. Uh, pastor Bob, of course, is the pastor of Calvary Chapel of Las Cruces. And uh, his wife, uh, he took her uh, to uh, emergency on, uh, I believe it was on Friday night. Uh, she had emergency surgery uh, he did call me yesterday to let me know that she did, uh, She came out of the surgery well, but just continue, if you will, to, to please pray for her. She's doing fine. Uh, you know, with all of the restrictions that has, hospitals have now, he wasn't able to see her until yesterday afternoon. But, uh, but praise the Lord that uh, he, he was able to uh, get in to see and to be with her. So please keep uh, uh, Mary, uh, his wife, in, in your prayers this week. The truth shall make you free. We hear a lot of things today. And a lot of those things may sound true. But there's some weight of truth lacking in a lot of things. Whether it be what we hear on on. on uh, on the media as far as what's going on with the coronavirus or, or what we hear about reports uh, uh, politically in Washington or what we see in, in, the, in the streets of our cities today with all of these riotings and uh, uh, anarchy going on. As God's people, we should desire truth. But there's very few places where we actually find it. Listen to the words of Jesus as he was speaking to the religious leaders of Israel. Because at this time, Jesus now, and especially in chapter 7 and 8 of the Gospel of John, he's beginning to reveal himself more and more as the Son of God to everyone. We know that in the Gospel of John, Jesus has... Specifically, given seven I Ams, I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the vine. I am the door of the sheep. And so he says here in verse 38 to them, I speak that which I have seen with my father. And ye do that which you have seen with your father." Now, what Jesus is pointing out is, they don't really have the same father, do they? They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. And I would have to say he probably said it with that kind of tone, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said unto them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that has told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Okay, so now Abraham's not their father. But he's still talking about a different father. And then said they to him, We be not born of fornication. Now that was a real slap in the face to Jesus, or at least they thought it was because they had some understanding of his history, of his family lineage, they still considered that he was born out of wedlock, which of course he wasn't. They said, we be not born of fornication. We have one Father, even God. So now they're saying, hey, our Father is your Father, or so you say. And Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Now take hold of that. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. I'll explain this later. But now he says, okay, let me tell you who your father is. Ye are of your father the devil. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. Notice. There is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convinces me of sin? In other words, which of you convicts me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because you are not of God. Since the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic lockdown, I have Struggle to make sense of the numbers being reported by medical and health sources, many of them considered official gatherers of all COVID-19 statistics, depending on which ones the news medias or the news media are quoting. We hear from the CDC, the Center for Disease Control. We hear from WHO, the World Health Organization. There are some who consider the Johns Hopkins Medical Center to be uh, a faithful gatherer of, of, (laughs) of the facts. And then, of course, there's the Presidential Coronavirus Task Force that was meeting almost daily for quite a few weeks. And out of that task force, there was Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, and Dr. Fauci. Now, you might say, well, why do you mention his name twice? Well, I I say that in respect of all the fans of the Three Stooges. Who, when playing doctors one time, in in, in one of their shorts, uh, when playing doctors, they were being paged as Dr. Howard, Dr. Fine, Dr. Howard. Now, there were actually two Dr. Howards, because there was... Mo Howard and Curly Howard. They were brothers and Dr. Fine was Larry Fine. So Dr. Fine, uh, Dr. Howard, Dr. Fine, Dr. Howard. And uh, so you know when I talk about Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, Dr. Fauci there's only one Dr. Fauci except that sometimes he gives us a different person of himself you know. For example you know back in, I believe it was in March, he said Folks, you don't need to wear masks. You, should, you shouldn't have to be wearing masks. You don't need to be wearing masks. And a month later, he says, you all better be wearing masks. So there's that kind of science that I'm concerned about because we keep being told you need to follow the science. So where is the science in all of that? Seriously, my concern is that, that this is not a comedy of errors but a well-devised plan to keep the citizens of the United States of America under a blanket of cautious fear with seemingly no end in sight. And this has caused me to dig even more deeply into God's word for the truth. For the truth that can set His people free from such fear. His people. That shouldn't be under fear. Yes, are we supposed to be wise? Yes, of course. Can we be cautious? Of course we should be. But let's face this reality and let's face this truth that believers in Jesus Christ have the promise of rest with God. We have the promise of rest with God. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 through 16. Here Paul tells us, There remaineth therefore a rest of the people of God. He has been speaking of the children of Israel going through the wilderness, a 40-year experience that should have only taken them 11 days. And when they finally arrive at the entrance to the promised land, A whole generation of people did not enter in because of their unbelief. But there was a generation that did enter into their unbelief. That generation was not led into the promised land by Moses, who was a type of the law. That generation was led into the promised land by Joshua, who was a type of Jesus Christ. And led them into the rest of the promised land. Therefore, Paul says, Therefore uh, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest. And he's speaking out to the church. Let us therefore... Labor to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the Word of God is quick, which means the Word of God is living. It is alive. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. But then he says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest, that's Jesus, seeing that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, But was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And folks, don't forget, he did that for you and for me. And so he says, let us therefore come boldly. The word boldly there means to come with great confidence. With great confidence. Unto the throne of grace. Our confidence, our boldness is because of Jesus Christ. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace, undeserved favor to help in time of need. I say we have a time of need. Therefore we need to come confidently to the throne of God's grace that we may obtain mercy. We see churches today that are giving out food. We've done it as well. Giving out food, lines of cars, when they hear that there's food available, they line up and as they come one at a time, they're obtaining what they need. How much greater is not only the gift that is given from God in in us, obtaining mercy and grace, but it is a never-ending gift. Because after a while at churches, you know, the food runs out. Then they have to say, well, come back next week or come back, you know, in a couple of days. The Lord has never said that to us. Oh, come back. No, he says, here it is. Obtain your mercy and your grace for help in time of need. So we need to begin with that understanding. Now having been an educator in the public school system many years ago, I observed a trend that that was bound to happen since the seeds of deception were planted years previously, if you know any of the history of, of American public education. And I'll mention John Dewey again in a moment. But uh, here was a man that uh, uh, established what we see happening now many, many, many years ago. But what it led to was this, the dumbing down. The dumbing down of children in America's public schools with the intent of dumbing down our nation as a whole. Some of you may have read. books like uh, Ellen Bloom's book on, on the educational system of the time it was written in 1987. And i always forget the name of it and I should have written it down. And I did, I wrote it down someplace else, but I forgot to bring it in with me. <laughs> but it has to do with the dumbing down of our, of, of our uh, educational system and many other books. But one of the key building blocks aimed at this goal was the removal of prayer from the public schools by order of the Supreme Court back in the early 60s, under pressure of people like the communistic atheist Madeleine Murray O'Hare, who at the time was just Madeleine Murray. But their main goal was really to remove God completely out of the schools. And it's still their goal today. And as I said, the underlying philosophy of the father of Amer- American education, John Dewey, would consider him, uh, would consider the science, uh, and this was his goal, the science would eventually abolish any thought of a supernatural god. Now I mention him because if you do any history of of John Dewey you begin to realize that he was a quote-unquote religious man, even considered himself a Christian, and yet he pushed something called secular theology when it applied to uh, to the public education of of America. That there was a secular theology. Do you know what the secular theology equals to? Atheism. He was a humanist. He was a part of the group that uh, came up with a humanist manifesto back in the 30s. That is in the 20th century, by the way. Some of us remember the 20th century. But that was his goal, and that was his desire. Why am I bringing all of this up? As I mentioned, I I wanted to spend a considerable amount of time mentioning to you the search that I was undertaking through history and literature, but suffice it to say that, really, Solomon has said it best for us. What I'm providing here is really the foundation for what we're talking about today, that the truth that God gives us is what sets us free. But what we need to understand here is that Solomon has said it best for us in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, when he said, the thing that has been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. What is happening today has happened already. Is there anything whereof it may be said, see, this is new? It has been already of old time, which was before us. There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. What has happened, or what is happening today, has already happened. And I speak of the underlying problem the deception, the lies. It started a long time ago. Everything we see happening today. By the way, here's what we need to, cons- to keep in our, in, in our minds and in our hearts today. It's that truth matters. Truth matters. I mean, four—you know, two plus two equals four. Last time I checked, it hasn't changed. Except there was a time back in, again, the 20th century that new math was starting to be uh, uh, pushed in the schools that said, well, you know, 2 plus 2 doesn't always equal 4. It could equal 5, maybe. Okay, like, okay. No, 2 plus 2 always equals 4. That's truth. This is deception. There's deceiving. There's lying going on. You know what's being called today? Fake news. And there's a lot of that. But what's even more troubling to me is the dismantling of the truth that is taking place in our society today. It is not a new concept. And it is affecting the church of Jesus Christ. It's not a new concept. I want to take you back to Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. I'll do this very quickly because I only do this like every other week. Take you back to this passage. Genesis 3, verses 1 through 5. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. We know who the serpent is. It's made clear to us in the book of Revelation where it says the serpent which is Satan the devil. Or at least it was Satan now occupying a serpent of the time. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Remember what what that means? Did God really say that? Putting doubt into this woman's mind. Yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Now she wasn't very accurate in what she said, but we're not going to deal with that today. But nonetheless, this is what she responds to the serpent with. And the serpent, remember he's subtle, and the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. So there's the second thing. Put doubt about God, did he really say, and then outright say, God's a liar. God is a liar. You shall not surely die. For God does know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open. And you shall be as gods. There is the third statement of deception. God is, there's there's a doubt about what God says. Secondly, God is a liar on this one point. And thirdly, you actually can be just like God. You could be a god like him by the way that's the new age movement of today which is not new it's an old lie and here it is the beginning of it now eve was deceived theologically speaking eve herself was deceived adam in effect was not deceived adam rebelled against god 1 Timothy 2, verses 13 and 14 says, For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived. So that makes that clear. But the woman being deceived was in the transgression. But who does God place the responsibility of that upon? He he puts it upon Adam. Because Adam was the one that was told in Genesis chapter 2. You can have the fruit of any tree in the garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You cannot eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because on the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. As soon as they ate the fruit, they died spiritually. and Eventually, they would die uh, physically. The weight of the burden is upon Adam. In Romans 5.14, it says, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Notice it doesn't say from Eve to Moses. It says from Adam to Moses, from Adam to the law, because Moses represents the law, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. So now in the issue of, of dismantling truth, sadly the dismantling of the truth can be seen not only in the news media of today, but even in churches that have pastors and leaders who have essentially drunk the Kool-Aid that brings about delusions of grandeur and following myths and fables and not the word of the living God. That is happening big time today. And one very sad example of that is in a church called Bethel Church in Redding, California, whose pastor and quote-unquote apostle, Bill Johnson, has in just the past couple of weeks allowed a black magic ritual to declare and to decree the end of racism. I'm not kidding you. This is what they did on the stage of their church. And they did it in the name of Jesus. Let me explain briefly. They had a prophetess. Who was standing there with a staff about this tall? It looked eerily familiar to the staff of Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings saga. You all know who Gandalf is? How many of you know what I'm talking about? And the rest of you who should know or, or do know, you don't want to admit it. Just kidding. And there she is talking about how, well, I've always been blessed by the Lord of the Rings. Now, J.R.R. Tolkien, who was uh, the author of The Lord of the Rings and also The Hobbit and all of those particular books, I've read most of them way long time ago, saw the movies, you know, I saw it as, as entertainment. I also look at things like that and I say, ooh, that's wicked. Ooh, that's wicked. I can try to understand, you know, what Tolkien was trying to get across here. But for somebody to say, oh, I've always just loved, you know, what, what I've learned from the Lord of the Rings. And then she started explaining it about this one particular scene in one of the so- uh, segments or one of the, you know, the uh, episodes where Gandalf is, is facing a, a humongous demonic beast. There's a name for him, but I, I can't remember it. And, and, and I mean, it looks demonic, it looks like, uh, you know, but huge, you know, and he's got his staff, and then, you know, what he does is, that uh, as, as they're chasing after the hobbit, who, of course, has the ring, and, 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 and so on and so forth, uh, Gandalf stops on this bridge, and he, and he pounds that, that uh, uh, staff onto the ground, and he says, you shall not. Pass, you know. So she mentions all of this in the in the story she's telling you. And there's leaders standing with her of the church, you know, mostly called apostles because obviously they've learned to decree each other apostles, even though that didn't come from the Lord. I'll I'll explain that in a moment as well because that's important here. So she gets all of these leaders to put their hands, and they're going what they're going to do, and they're going to you know they're going to count to three, and then they're going to stamp this thing to say, you know, we decree and declare the end of racism. And then they do that three times. Folks, that's a black magic ritual. There's nothing in scripture that says that we have to do stuff like that. In fact, we're told not to. Would you agree? All right. Last time I checked, there's still racism. There's still that problem. It didn't go away. I guess the staff wasn't good enough. Or maybe the apostles weren't discerning. Or maybe they weren't even apostles. It's sad. It's painful. Because there were people out in the audience... You know, rejoicing with him. Oh, yeah, praise the Lord. It's over. It's ended. Really? Wow. Let me tell you how clear the apostle Paul, a true apostle, made an apostle by Jesus Christ himself, by the way, how clear he was about stuff like this. He said in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 12 through 15, he said, but what I do that I will do that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion, which means, I'm doing what I'm doing because I'm an apostle, but I'm doing it to cut off every opportunity of those that want the opportunity, that wherein they glory, they may be found even as we. In other words, I want the opportunity to say, well, we're an apostle too, or we are apostles also. And then he says, for such are false apostles deceitful workers transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light and therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose ends shall be according to their works Do you know what that means their ends will be according to what they do before the congregations that they say are being led by them to God. Do you understand how painful that is now to see that kind of stuff happening today in something that is called a church by people who have taken this authority that wasn't given to them by God They were decreed, by the way, by C. Peter Wagner to be apostles. He he declared them apostles. Who is he? He's a heretic. Even though he teaches in a Christian and has taught in a Christian seminary. What is happening to the church? We have set this aside, or they, they have set this aside, the word of God to play games with God. The world itself has been turned upside down in, in, in its way of thinking, even to the extent that more people are loving evil and hating that which is good. But haven't the scriptures been clear about this as well? Isaiah chapter 5, beginning at verse 18. Listen. There's a verse here, of course, you all are familiar with. It's verse 20, but let's read verse 18 first. It says, Woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity and sin as it were with a cart rope. I'll explain that in a second. That say, let him make speed and hasten his work that we may see it and let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh and come that we may know it. Then he says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. That put darkness for light and light for darkness. That happened on that stage at Bethel Church. They put, light for, or they put darkness for light. That put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Here were people, now going back to Israel and going back to the time of Isaiah, here were people who really questioned whether the Lord God of Israel was in control of their nation. They wanted to see God deliver them while they, strapped to their sins, that's, that's that first part, verse 18, while they, strapped to their sins and wickedness, did not by any means want to give up their sinful ways. I mean, are some professing believers doing that today? Are they they calling upon God to rescue our nation from COVID-19 and the anarchy that is taking place in our cities while giving no indication at all of wanting to let go of any of their sinful practices whatsoever? I mean, again, let's deal with these issues with truth. What is the truth to combat what was happening there with Isaiah? Calling evil good and good evil. Well, read Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 18. This is the truth. Paul said, let love be without dissimulation. In other words, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil. Don't call evil good and good evil. Abhor, which means hate, that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer. Distributing to the necessity of saints. Giving to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, which means don't consider yourself better than others, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. That's the truth. Not turning to calling good evil and evil good. This is the world today. As scripture points it out. Psalm 2, verses 1 through 5. This is the world today. Why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. Remember the word imagine? a couple weeks ago dealing with the song of John Lennon. Imagine. You know, in thinking of imaginations, and you know the the scripture speaks against these vain imaginations of, of people. And just imagining alone itself, think about this. To imagine is not truth. It's really thinking on things that are not true. Again, the song. Imagine there's no heaven. Imagine that there's no hell. Do you see that you have to imagine something for it not to be true? That's a lie. The people imagining vain things, worthless things. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, his, his Messiah, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their courts from us. We don't want anything to do with God. We don't want anything to do with Jesus. Look how churches are being attacked today. And, and, here, and here again, I mean, you know, we, we can say, well, okay, so they're, you know, they're tearing down statues on, on Catholic church properties and stuff, and, and, but other churches are being attacked as well. Just because of who they represent. Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Well, God has a different opinion here about what's going on. He says, he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. And then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. God is going to judge this. God is going to judge everything that men are doing today. Unless they repent of their sins and turn to Jesus Christ. But this is the truth. And if you remember anything, and if you put anything down in your Bible that you need to keep with you for the rest of your life until Jesus comes, it's this passage that I want to give you. This is the truth. Here is the truth. Isaiah 41, verses 10 through 13. God speaking, saying, Fear thou not for I am with thee." You believe that? That's God speaking to us in His Word. And what does He tell us? Don't fear, I'm here. That'll be poetic for a second. Fear thou not, I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. By the way, there's five I wills here in this passage. Oh, just thought I'd throw that out here in just a moment. We'll see the contrast. For I am thy God, I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing, and they that strive with thee shall perish. Thou shalt seek them, and shalt shalt not find them. Even them that contended with thee that they war against thee shall be as nothing and as a thing of naught. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Those are the five I wills of our God. But what did the one who lied from the very beginning say with his five I wills? You remember? Just go back to chapter 14 of Isaiah just as a point of remembering. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Verse 12. How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit." The five eye wills of Satan, the five eye wills of, I, of, of Lucifer. What's the difference? His five eye wills were all about him. God's five eye wills were all about us. Fear thou not for I am with thee. Fear thou not, for I am your God." Okay, so this brings us finally to our text. As I said before in chapters 7 and 8 of John's Gospel, Jesus had been with more frequency declaring Himself as God's Son And in doing so was infuriating the scribes and the Pharisees. He was infuriating the religious leaders of Israel. The closer in time that Jesus got to the cross, the more he revealed himself. But what was it that the Lord Jesus said to the religious leaders of Israel that sparked so much hatred toward him? One word. Truth. Truth. Let's go to our text. John 8 verse 38. To them he said, I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which you have seen with your father. Again, he makes a distinction of fathers here. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father, And Jesus said unto them, he, if you were Abraham's children, which is, he's saying in that statement, you're not really Abraham's children. But if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. What were the works of Abraham? It's very simple because what Jesus was teaching in the Gospel of John also is what he mentions about us and our work. What is our work? It is to believe in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is to believe in the God of creation. It is to believe in the God above all gods. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. That was his work. He believed God, and he's saying to them, to his, you know, he's saying to his, his Jewish brethren, Abraham's not your father, because if you, if you were his children, you would believe. You would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that has told you the truth. Notice, I've told you the truth. Which I have heard of God, this did not Abraham. Abraham didn't do that. He believed God. You do the deeds of your father. Not Abraham. Who's your father? (laughs) Who's your daddy? And then said they to him, We be not born of fornication, we have one Father, even God. Oh, I see. Jesus said unto them, if God were your Father, you would love me. Stop and think. What was it that was said in the law? What was the question given to Jesus? What is the greatest commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and soul and mind, with all of you. So love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. That's the greatest commandment. And the second is like it Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus said of them or unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Why are you not understanding what I'm saying? Remember, everything Jesus said was perfect. Everything Jesus said was pure. Why? Because everything Jesus said was God's words. He was God the Son. Even because you cannot hear my word, you are of your father the devil. You talk about a slap in the face to religious people. You are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. What were the lusts of the devil? I will ascend into the Most High. I will sit on the throne. I, I, I. He was a murderer from the beginning. Now don't don't lose sight of what he's saying here. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. He was a murderer with lies. Did God really say? You're not going to die. You will be just like him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convinces me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. You therefore hear them not, because you are not of God. Folks, Satan and men murder, and they certainly can can murder with lies. I am amazed at how many people today are believing the lies of the mainstream media today. And there are plenty of lies coming out of them. And people are believing them like if they were coming down from heaven itself. Satan is a murderer in in, in three senses, you know. He was behind the first actual uh, physical murder, the man, the, the, the man Cain killing his brother Abel in Genesis chapter 4. The enemy was behind that. He was certainly behind uh, the, the sin of Adam, which brought death to the whole human race, that being, of course, in Genesis 3. He is the murderer, the one who caused the death of mankind. Adam, Cain, And everyone else. Paul said in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. After the fall of, uh, after the fall of Adam and, and, and Eve, every person born after that, everyone, generation to generation to generation and on to where we are today, everyone was born in sin. All have sinned come short of the glory of God. But later on in Romans 6, verses 22 and 23, Paul would say this, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end, everlasting life. How different that is. Why? Well, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What a wonderful opportunity to remember and to hear once again what John says, actually what Jesus says in John 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, who died, who came here, took upon Himself flesh, never once sinned, and gave His life in our place, on the cross, that whosoever believeth in Him should never perish, but have everlasting life. We're going to deal with lies tomorrow, maybe even today, depending on what we hear on the news media. So we need to be filled with God's truth. And then not only filled with God's truth, as we stay in God's word, but believe what God says. Jesus has made it clear what it's going to be like in the last days, we're seeing it now. Has Jesus lied? No, he hasn't. Everything has come to pass. And more things are coming to pass every day. Why? Because Jesus is truth. How many of you know the name Winston Smith? How many of you have read George Orwell's book 1984? Then you should know who Winston Smith is. He's the main character (laughs) of 1984. That was a test. I saw the hands. Winston Smith, the main character of George Orwell's book 1984, worked in the novel, which by the way, this is interesting, but sometimes I think, you know, have you ever seen a novel actually be, uh, have you ever seen a, a, a work of fiction become a work of nonfiction? I think it's almost coming to pass when you read the, his books, uh, especially the two, uh, Animal Farm in 1984. Animal Farm actually is kind of the, the prequel to, to this, in a sense, uh, uh, because it gives us a, an indication of how truth Is destroyed and how lies become truth. Uh, Okay, Um, I don't want to draw, I don't want to become philosophical here, but anyway. So Winston Smith, the main character in George Orwell's book 1984, worked for the Ministry of Truth. He worked for the Ministry of Truth, the propaganda arm of Oceania, what Britain had become after succumbing to the socialistic new leadership led by Big Brother. Big Brother was a big poster of a man looking at you that actually, if no matter where you went, his eyes always seemed to follow you. Big Brother is around today, by the way. Everybody's on the grid, hard to, hard to hide from Big Brother today. There were three slogans of the party that were stamped into their minds and consciences every day. As a matter of fact, if you walked by the Ministry of Truth in Oceania, you would see these in big, big, huge letters on the Ministry of Truth building. It was this, war is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength. three slogans made up of only three words each on a particular level it concerns me that certain powers that be deep state deeper state deepest state it concerns me that certain powers that be have nearly brought us to a Similar global conditioning. Just bear with me. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. Stay at home. There are others. Now, I say this with all due respect to those of you who have to wear masks, and we're not telling you not to, but I just want you to understand. These things are a lot deeper than just what we're hearing on the news. But we must always remember that we have with us always God's truth. No matter what the world says and no matter what the world wants us to believe we always have God's truth because we have the person of Jesus Christ who said in John 14 verse 6 I am the way the truth and the life No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. But not long before the crucifixion, and by the way, when he said that to Thomas in in John 14, just a little bit later on, of course, the next day, after Jesus had already been taken and arrested, not long before the crucifixion, there was this exchange between Jesus and Pontius Pilate. John 18, beginning of verse 33. And then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? And Pilate answered, and I, I could just hear this tone of voice. Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? And Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. But listen carefully to what Jesus now says. He said, To this end was I born. To this end, to the, this is the goal of what I was born for. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. That I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. And Pilate said unto him, And again, in the tone that I can hear him say, what is truth? That's the world's way of seeing things. What is truth? That is the question of the great philosophies of men. What is truth? philosophy class, after months of learning about all the great philosophers in modern history or in modern Western history, when the, fi- when the final test came, the class was prepared for a three hour test, and the professor came into the room And he wrote one question on the board. It was a one-word question. Why? Question mark. And he said, you've got three hours. Why? All of a sudden, pencils and pens and paper just are being heard people writing feverishly. One person in the room writes two words, puts the paper on the professor's desk and walks out. He would eventually have the only A in the class. His response was, why not? What is truth? People are so wrapped up in the lies of the world that they can't hear the truth. They can't see the truth. But the truth is there. And it's always been there. Pilate said, what is truth? When he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto the, saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. But you have a custom that I should release unto you one of the Passover? Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. They chose a robber rather than the redeemer. They chose not to listen to truth. People today are not listening to truth because they're choosing not to. But believers in Jesus Christ need to realize that we have the truth with us always. And we need to continue to immerse ourselves in the truth until Jesus comes. There's no time. There's no time. Because Jesus can come at any moment. Now, I don't like Facebook. I know you all know that. But I saw something on Facebook that I wanted to share with you. I'll say it in my own words. But the question was asked on, on Facebook in a meme. I hardly ever use that word. I don't know what a meme is, but somebody knows, so I'll just say it. The meme said, do you know what's scarier than COVID-19? It was a question. Do you know what's scarier than COVID-19? And underneath that question was the answer. It was a statement of Jesus. Depart from me. I never knew you. Do you know what's scarier than COVID-19? It would be the words of Jesus in judgment saying, depart from me, for I never knew you. Now let's go back to close. In John 8, verses 31 and 32, because this is the basis for the title of this message. The truth shall make you free. In John eight thirty-one, it says, "And said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word... Now notice that. Don't don't let that skip over real quickly. If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There are a lot of people in bondage to the lies of the enemy today. Let us not be those in bondage. Let us be set free by the truth of Jesus Christ. And so what he has just said, that is the truth. Amen?